are the Rookie Phenoms. We have an amazing show for you today. I'm your host, Coop, with my main man, Webb. What up, people? Today, we have the illustrious guest, James Lynch. He is an MMA freelance writer, one of the best in the business. We had an amazing conversation with him today. Webb, what did you think of this conversation with James Lynch? Fantastic. Always great to pick his brain and uh, and chat with him. He is very much plugged in uh, and offers fantastic opinions and insights into the sport. Everyone, go follow him on Twitter at Lynch on Sports and go follow him on YouTube as well. Same thing, Lynch on Sports. Let's get right to that interview now. Okay, everyone, we have an amazing guest on the show today. We have freelance MMA journalist James Lynch. You can find him on Twitter at Lynch on Sports. He is the best. I would say he's the best MMA journalist in the world. Webb would say one of the best because Webb is a scumbag. But thank you so much for coming on the show, Webb. James. I'll take it. What an intro. Amazing. I don't think I've ever been introduced that way. So I will uh, take it, guys. Thanks so much for having me back on. This is uh, this is great. <laughs> Thank you for Thanks. coming. We appreciate it. Oh, no problem. Happy to be here. Let's get right into it today. The men's bantamweight division in the UFC. What are your thoughts about what happened with Peter Yan and Sterling? Do you think he should have been given the championship on a disqualification? No, I do not. But I do side with Aljo here with a lot of the hate he's been getting, all these people saying he needs an Academy Award for the performance. Like, he was hurt. Like, this idea that you get a knee hit and you're putting on this performance is absurd. Like, watch the watch the replay. I tell that to everyone out there because uh, it was a pretty bad knee. It was obviously illegal. Piotr Jan, I've interviewed the guy for a while. I've been watching his career for a while. He's not a dirty fighter, so we can kind of get rid of that as well. My, my Sort of my thoughts on it are... Um, I think the fight should have been a DQ. Um, I have no issue with it being a DQ win because Jan was the one who made the mistake. Give Sterling the win. Shouldn't be for a belt, though. They should vacate the belt. Because to me, it's about the intent. Like if Jan had gone out there and let's say he was talking trash all week and he pushed him at the weigh-ins and you could just see he was trying to be like, you know, a dirty fighter, then I could see, you know, all that behavior being, you know, like to me, it's all about the intent. But to go out there and give Aljo the belt when he didn't really earn it, it it's kind of, it's it's tough, right? Because it's Jan who made the mistake. It, it reminds me a bit, and it's a little bit different, of the whole Davis and Figueroa and Joseph Benavidez, uh, the first fight they had last year. If you remember, Figueroa missed weight. So uh, even though he won the fight, he did not get the belt at the end of it because he had missed weight. He did not make it. Um, I'm fine with that in this case as well, too, where it's like Aljo didn't win. Jan lost. Does that make sense where he threw the knee? So that's sort of where I sit. Um, but yeah, uh, like I, I just I definitely defend Aljo, Aljamain Sterling in the sense of like, look, like he didn't do anything wrong. It was his opponent. Uh, his opponent should be penalized for that, but I think the belt should be vacant. I mean, look, we can pretend the belt's vacant anyways. They're probably going to get the rematch, so uh, th- that's all that matters, right? Yeah, I 100% agree with you. Um, it makes no sense that Jan would have thrown that knee, knowing that by the rules he, he would have— turning the tide. It looked like he yeah. was going to go in and win that fight by the looks of it, right? And so, yeah, I agree with you. And 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 even if he wasn't, so let's say for argument's sake that uh, Sterling was winning, that Aljo was winning, knowing that he's going to lose the belt— it just yeah. doesn't make sense that the champion would do that. So I agree with you wholeheartedly. Um, Aljo is getting a lot of flack that he doesn't deserve. I think the the criticism I would have on Jan is his behavior afterwards. Uh, he apologized on, I think it was Instagram, somewhere on social media. And then after that, he started criticizing uh, Aljo for seemingly celebrating with his friends. Uh, he said it was a bit hypocritical, I think. Um, of him to do that when initially the reaction was that uh, Aljo was was crying and saying he didn't want to win this way. 
So I don't think that Piotr Jan should have responded in that way. It, it, it doesn't it doesn't win him any more fans after what happened. But I agree with you uh, on two two fronts. Um, shouldn't be for shouldn't be for the belt. So Piotr Jan shouldn't have lost the belt. Uh, it should be vacated. That's a very good idea. And two, uh, it wasn't an intentional illegal act that he did. It wouldn't make sense that he did that. Totally. Yeah, I agree with that. I, I will say one thing about the post-fight stuff. Like, I agree with, like, I think they both look bad after that. Like, okay, look, technically you won the fight, Sterling. I get that. I just think, just with how sensitive the topic is, because, like, it's already, like, kind of a controversial thing, I would have just not put anything on social media. Celebrate all you want. Just, if anyone's taking any pictures, do, you know, do the whole thing, like, if you're an NHL player and you got, like, a side girl, like, don't take any pictures, you know, <laughs> sign a waiver or something. Do that same thing, right? Am I right? Like, just to, just because you know there's going to be idiots out there that are going to say something, oh, you didn't, you didn't deserve to win the belt. You're only fueling that fire. And not that I blame Jan's response, you know, for seeing that, but also like, yeah, dude, just be quiet. Like do the rematch. We'll, we'll do it there. We'll settle it that way. Like it's just, it's to me, it's just a sensitive topic. So you're going to have all these idiots coming out and saying what they need to say and just bringing more negative attention that's not needed. So 100%. Okay. Amanda Nunes is the most dominant fighter in the UFC right now. I think should we scrap the featherweight division because she has cleared it out. The UFC doesn't even post rankings anymore in that division. <laughs> So this one's an iffy one for me because on my initial thought is, yeah, get rid of it. They've had this division since 2017. It was supposed to be for Chris Cyborg. She's not with the promotion anymore. They have not signed anyone, like barely. Like they have a contender series winner in Daniel Wolf fighting Felicia Spencer next. Felicia Spencer just fought for the featherweight title. That's like saying, you know, Josh Parisian, who won on contender series, should fight Stipe next or fight Daniel Cormier, like the loser of the last fight. Like this doesn't make any sense, but it's because they have no other fighters. I think you they should either scrap the division or they got to tell some of these girls at 35 fighting your natural weight class. Like Nunes is a bantamweight as well that's moved up. She's probably fighting at her natural weight. I'd be more inclined to see that because there are a lot of bantamweights out there right now and it could kind of you know make things interesting. But I think those are your only two options. It's either get rid of the division or get some bantamweights to move up, but otherwise then scrap it because it's like there's no promotion on it. They're not signing anyone. Bellator has all the best featherweight fighters, so. Um, you know, I think I think it would be better to do that. But I, I think the division is, is gone for two reasons. Number one, Megan Anderson's kind of spilled the beans on her on her Twitch stream and then got in a bunch of trouble for it, even though I don't know how she gets in trouble. She's not with the UFC anymore. So I don't know what she's worried about. Uh, number two is like we ha- we got one fight booked and that fight's been booked. And since before that, there hadn't been any fights booked other than the title fight. So it's like there's no effort here. And I just yeah, I don't see it lasting long, uh, much longer. So I, I I kind of agree with you in a sense that. Uh, they have to do something, try and get these people up to 135 to move up to the 145. But um, I think that penalizes Amanda Nunes in a, in a way. Like I like the fact that she's the champ champ. Uh, she's she's deserving of it. I, I, I think they should have it, that being the featherweight division, keep it around. Uh, I know years ago they had talks of, um, or at least fans were kind of clamoring for the, the flyweight division to maybe be scrapped. Or to be uh, consolidated with the bantamweight because uh, Mighty Mouse was just dominating. So I think we're at that kind of that 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 point uh, in this division's history. I'm hoping that some fighters will move up to the 145. The problem is that Nunes has likely beaten them, um, even if even if they haven't uh, fought at the featherweight. So it's it, it's tough. I I like to see Nunes at the one at at the champ champ. And I think she deserves it. So. I'm kind of torn on this on this uh, issue right now. 
Well, I'll say one thing. That flyweight situation is a little bit different because they had fighters in that division. It was just that Demetrius was just beating everyone. It was kind of getting stale. Like, I know what you mean about how Nunes would probably beat anyone that moved up. There is one fight for Amanda that I think would be interesting, and it's the flyweight champ, Valentina Shevchenko, mm-hmm. if they had that trilogy fight. Now, I know a lot of people are like, well, James, why would you do that fight? She beat her twice. That second fight, I thought Valentina won. It was a decision. It was very close. And Valentina's, you know, really found her groove. Like Valentina's doing essentially what Nunez is doing at Flyweight. She's beating everyone decisively. I think she's going to beat Jessica Andrade coming up here in a few weeks. But um, that's the fight to make. The problem is they should have figured out something with Cyborg. That was the rematch everyone wanted to see. It's like Nunez got her shot and then Cyborg left. They had their disagreement. But I think Cyborg could beat Nunez in a rematch. I think it was just, you know, one bad fight. It's no different than Stipe losing to Cormier. Everyone thought Stipe was done at that point, And then he comes back and he beats Cormier twice. So it's like, you know, it's one of those things where I think... Um, yeah, I think it's just a lot of bad circumstances, but uh, yeah, I, I I don't think the division will stick around much longer because there's no there's no one there's no talent, right? So fair. James, that is the perfect segue to my next question. Ooh, nice. What is the state of the heavyweight division right now? Are we just waiting for John Bones to come in there and destroy everybody? What's going to happen? So we got the title fight with Stipe Nagano, which I'll be honest, I don't know who wins that fight because I do think Francis can win the rematch. Uh, you know, Stipe's a little bit older. He's, you know, definitely taken some damage in between there, got knocked out by Cormier in their first fight. Um, and Nagano's a little bit younger. I think people forget, though, Nagano's still 35. It's not like he's some spring chicken coming in here and trying to fight Stipe. Like, there's only white. Stipe's only a couple years older than him. But, uh, yeah, you've got Jones is going to fight the winner. I think everyone sort of knows that. And then you've got some other contenders in the horizon. You've got Derek Lewis. You've got uh, Alexander Volkov. And you've got Cyril Gaon, who just beat uh, Rosenstrike as well. So you've got sort of those three in the mix right now in terms of uh, contenders. So I think what you'll see happen is Jones will fight the winner of Nagano and Stipe. And then um, and then after that, uh, maybe they try and get some bigger names in there. Like I could see, you know, a Derek Lewis potentially fighting Jones. Like they're going to look at bigger names to get Jones to fight because that's that's why Jones moved up. I think a lot of people are like, you know, why would he move up now when you have this new chance or you have these new contenders? But it's like a, a fight against Francis Ngannou and John Jones is a much bigger fight than John Jones and Jan Blakovich. You know what I mean? Like as, as popular as Jan is outside of North America, like I think they're looking at the American audience and that's just like an amazing fight that could take place. So um, yeah, I think, I think, I think Jones is just going to bring new life to this division. Cause I think they're also looking at Stipe, even if he wins this fight, how much longer is he going to fight? Maybe a couple more fights. They need some new blood in there. And I think Jones is a nice addition. So I'm surprised that you said that, uh, that Bones is going to be, uh, in line to fight the winner of, uh, Stipe and Predator. Uh, the only reason why I say that is because like Bones, Bones got me into the UFC. Like he's my favorite fighter of all time, but, uh, I would think that they would give Bones a tune up. Uh, well, if the, that's the at, case, at then the why haven't they done that yet? Why haven't they done that yet? Because he talked about moving up to heavyweight last year, right? So right. to me, if you were going to do the tune-up fight, there were plenty of opportunities to do that between now and then. I think the reason they, you know, that, that we haven't heard his next opponent is because he's going to fight the winner of Stipe Nagano. I think they knew that they got to get one more of that, you know, one more fight out of Stipe Nagano at this point. I think, to be honest, if I'm the UFC, I think they're hoping Nagano wins, and then you set up Nagano and Jones, because that's a huge fight, more so than Stipe. Like, Stipe's a, you know, great fighter. He's probably the best heavyweight of all time, but fans just don't connect to him the same way they do with, like, Jones and some of these other fighters, because it's not... He doesn't have like one punch knockout power for the most part. He's not like a super boisterous personality like like Jones is. So I think that's what they're hoping for. Like Nagano and John Jones would be a mega fight, one of the biggest fights in history. And, and and to your point, the fans don't clamor to Derek Lewis as much in terms of like a big title fight. And he sort of does himself a disservice. Last time he fought was a Curtis uh, Curtis Blades. He said he didn't even want to do five round fights, and they were like, "What do you mean? Like, aren't you? Isn't this whole thing to?" eventually get you 
uh, a title fight and he was like no i'm not ready for for five rounds it's too long i don't have the conditioning so he does himself a disservice not to mention some of his fights uh the one with him and Nganu wasn't exactly particularly exciting so um i i, I see what you mean uh Nganu and and bones would be probably the biggest fight that we've seen in a very long time do you think they'll still do it if Stipe? Do they think they'll they will have Bones fight Stipe if Stipe wins? Yes, and I'll tell you why. Here's a little tidbit. I don't know if you guys remember this, but okay, UFC 214, the Cormier and Jones rematch. Jones wins. He head kicks, uh, you know, uh, Cormier, the crying meme, the whole thing. You know what I'm talking about, right? Mm-hmm. So after that fight, the plan was supposed to be Stipe and Jones in December. A lot of people forget that. But then Jones got busted for PEDs and his whole, you know, that whole trajectory was ruined. And that's where Stipe ended up uh, fighting someone else. But that was the plan. I remember Dana White saying that at a press conference that the plan was for Jones to fight Stipe. So that's something that's been in the works for a couple of years. And I mean, that when was that fight? 2017, I think. 17, um, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, think how long ago that was that they, they've been wanting to do that for a while. And and Bones is no spring chicken either. Like, I, I love Bones, but, you know, what saves, he's what? turning 34 this year and he's had time off intermittently so that kind of saved the mileage on his body but still like father time you gotta wonder how long he's gonna be able to do this and how and look at those last couple fights man like anthony smith like i know smith lost decisively but i mean that was a fight where you know smith took him to the full five rounds tiago santos lost a split decision to him some people felt like santos won dominic reyes a lot of people felt like reyes won especially those first three rounds they thought it was going to be three two it didn't end up happening Judging, whatever. I mean, that was that UFC 247 card, which had the atrocious judging, like Marti- Jonathan Martinez and Uul, where Martinez clearly won. Uul got the nod. Lauren Murphy fought and got a bad decision. Anyways, you get what I'm saying? But, like, um, yeah, I think uh, I think Jones has maybe lost a step, and that might even be another reason why he's moving up. Interesting. Okay, my next question is something very near and dear to Webb's heart. Israel Adesanya yeah. took a gigantic loss a few weeks ago to Jan. Do you think this hurts his legacy? He was trying to be in that GOAT status. He was talking about it, double champ. I think they moved him down in the overall uh, rankings right now. Does yeah, this hurt him going point. forward? Yeah. Not really, no. This was always a, a safe move for Adesanya. Um, you know, again, I don't think people really even really cared that he's lost to Jan Blakovich. He moved up. He lost. It's not like he got knocked out. I saw so many people saying, Jan's going to knock him out in the first round. Izzy's overrated. Well, he went the full five rounds, right? Like, I, I don't think it hurt his stock. Um, and plus, Izzy's still young enough where if he wants to move back up again and get a win there, it could happen. I mean, how many fights did BJ Penn move up a weight class and lose? And people still call him one of the greatest of all time. Like, to me, it doesn't matter. It's more about, you know, your overall legacy as opposed to one particular fight. Um, I, you know, George St. Pierre lost early in his career. He got knocked out by Matt Serra. People still consider him one of the greatest. So I don't think one loss necessarily defines Adesanya's career. And, you know, I still think he's got a great chance to stay undefeated at middleweight uh, with some of the matchups or some of the potential fights there as well. All right, James, I'm going to disagree with you on this one. Oh, let's hear um, it. Finally, we get some. This is what the people came for here, man. <laughs> We've got to disagree every once in a while. Yeah, so I think it hurts Izzy's legacy. Um, not saying this was a bad loss for Izzy, mm-hmm. but because his legacy, the lore, the, the cachet he has, a lot of it is to do with the hype that he generates outside of the octagon. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say a good portion of his fans probably clamor towards him because of what he does on social media, what he does outside the ring, what he does on his entrance, sorry, not the ring, the octagon, what he does on his entrance towards the, the octagon. Um, and we saw a very subdued Israel Adesanya to the, like, into this fight. Even his entrance, he came out to a very like mellow, cool in the gang song which is very different from what Izzy normally does. And then he has, in this fight, he was just trying to pepper uh, Jan. 
and I thought he was going to win by decision. I thought it was going to go the full five rounds after I saw the, like while I was watching the fight. So it wasn't, it wasn't typical Izzy. I think it hurt him like not, a, not maybe not in the long run, but for now, um, he chose to go here. Uh, this was supposed to be the, the, the move that would, uh, help him reach John Jones or be able to face John Jones, but then Jones moved up as well. So it seemed like their, them crossing paths wasn't going to happen anytime soon. Um, but it was just it was just a different Izzy that we saw, and, and and not to forget the the fight with Yoel Romero that he had, and the fight that he had with um oh my goodness the name is escaping Calvin no Cal- Calvin Gaston which was a bloodbath like just amazing fight um he so I think Izzy I I have to see him again at middleweight he'll probably dominate middleweight I'd love to see him run it back with uh with Whitaker. I know that that uh, that fight got called off recently um, against uh, Paulo Costa. Yeah, it's supposed to be Whitaker and Costa. I think Whitaker should yeah. just stick around and fight Izzy next. Like, why does yeah. this guy have to fight three contenders? I've never seen a UFC champion lose their belt and have to fight three contenders just to get a rematch. And now Izzy's team saying that they want to fight Till. Like, come on, man, give the guy. Yeah. The guy said one loss at middleweight. It's crazy. So, and what happens if? Yeah. What happens if the Tory beats Till? Like, does Whitaker have to fight Vittori? And look like, who Vittori's manager is. That could definitely happen. You're right. I mean, Vittori could skip over and, and potentially get a shot here. We'll see. I mean, I think, um, yeah, I, uh, I I think they got to do the, the Whitaker and, and Adesanya rematch. But kind of what you were saying there, like, again, like, I could name, I mean, if you look at some of the greatest fighters of all time, um, you know, Anderson Silva, he's been finished. He was knocked out by Chris Weidman. He broke his leg. Um, he's had some losses, you know, since then he's still considered one of the greatest. Like, I don't think one loss necessarily defines someone. Michael Bisping, everyone thought his career was over when he got knocked out by Dan Henderson. He went on to win a title. So I think like, you know, you can't, until you look at the overall resume, I think it's hard to say that this is really going to hurt his stock. And I thought the moving up was a mistake. Like to me, the fight everyone wanted was him and Jones. You're fighting Blackovich. Like, what do you have to gain other than saying you're the double champ? I think he underestimated Blakovich a little bit and thought he could beat him because Thiago Santos knocked out uh, Jan Blakovich like four fights before that. And he probably thought he could do the same thing. But um, he, he, with that, like, I still don't think it hurts Adesanya's like legacy because there's much more to be written in, in that book, so to speak. And I, th- I, th- I think Izzy needs to to not try to to be so preoccupied with um, living in Bones' shadow. It seems like there's this. I don't want to call it an insecurity, but there's a, a, a fixation on trying to differentiate him from John Jones. They're going at each other on social media on like what seems like a monthly basis now. Mm-hmm. Um, Izzy's trainer was talking about Bones getting popped for PEDs and associating him with TJ Dillashaw the other day. So like I just think I wish Izzy would would try and disassociate himself from John Jones, just kind of have his own path, dominate the middleweight. If he wants to move up to, to uh, 205, that's fine. But like I think that also holds back Izzy as well. Fair point. Yeah, I think um, I don't know. I, to me, it's like if you're going to move up, and, and I know people thought the the idea was that Jones would move back down, right? No, no. They even said Dana White said I think if if um, if Izzy had won that fight, they would do Jones at heavyweight. It's like, what are you doing? You're a middleweight. You're moving up two weight classes. It doesn't make any sense. Like I don't know. Like to me, just uh, here's the thing that no one's looking at. Izzy's had what two title defenses, and now he's moving. Like I don't like that. I'd rather you you know get. Look at George St. Pierre. That guy never moved up once. He had a year of defending, you know, years and years of defending the belt. I'm more about that and rather than do these super fights right away. That's just me, though. I'm a merit guy, right? So, Fair point. What were your thoughts on the recent Bilal versus Edwards fight? 
It, it was too bad what happened. Look, I'm on sort of the side of Leon here. Like Leon's not a dirty guy. I know he got I know he got hit uh, with the eye poke in the first round. It was just an unfortunate uh, accident. But this idea of people wanting to run it back, the only reason Bilal Muhammad got that fight was because of the fact that Tamzat Shimaev was out. I mean, rankings wise, it didn't make much sense. Bilal's you know close to 15. Leon's number three. Like it was just like to fill up a spot. So I know they want to run it back, but. Leon should, I don't know if Leon should get the title shot. Well, he's not now anyways. Masvidal is going to be fighting Usman next. I think if Leon wants to keep active, you do him and Stephen Wonderboy Thompson. They have the same management. They're both ranked high. They've both been getting close to a title shot. So I think that's the fight to do, and Bilal can fight someone else. But there's no reason to run that back. It sucks, but I thought Leon was winning the fight anyway. So it's like, you know, come on. Hey, I, I agree with you totally on, on the Wonderboy, Leon Edwards shot. Um, Leon seems to have mentally already moved on from below he said i was winning the fight it's unfortunate but like he's in the rearview mirror kind of thing mm-hmm. totally agree with you on wonderboy uh coop is a huge uh Kazmat fan huge uh so he'd love to see him return i imagine uh um, yeah. when, when is he coming back well, i need him back in my life i don't have a medical degree so <laughs> i can't answer that i don't know the guy's got covid i mean your guess is as good as mine at this point point. and uh you know i know he's been calling i think he was had a thing with neil magny it's like dude get your health sorted out and then start talking about what's next because we don't know that if you come back in five months the division could, could look completely different so i think he's got to pick his shots once he's 100 uh, percent healthy well i have a question for you um yep. why is masvidal getting another shot because Usman looks at the landscape of the division and he says, what is going to make me the most money? And that's why he's getting the Masvidal fight. Look, I'm the biggest anti Masvidal Usman too. Like the fight's not going to be any different. A full training camp is not going to give Jorge Masvidal years of exceptional wrestling to be on the level of Usman. It's going to be the same fight. Like the only thing that's that we're getting out of this is you'll get some good Masvidal promos and trash talk, but like, I would have rather seen him and Colby, to be honest. Like that was a more, that was a much closer fight than Masvidal and Usman full camp or not. So that's where I stand on it. I, I think the only reason is because Usman knows that Masvidal is the biggest draw right now in that division, despite the fact that the guy's kind of done a lot to hurt his image over the last little bit. He hasn't fought since July. He's been this big Trump supporter. I know that sort of turned fans off. I'm not getting political here, but just it's the optics yeah. of it. And so, um, yeah, I think I think he just thinks that's the biggest fight. And Usman wants to get paid. You know, he's kind of at the point now where he's like, look, I'm the champ. I, I got to start getting the, the big money. And that's that would be a much bigger fight than him and Leon, or I, I think even him and Colby at this point, to be honest. I think the UFC's kind of sick of Colby, to be honest. So, and, and but to your point, Colby does the Trump supporting too, but he also has great fights. Yeah, Masvidal oh yeah. is completely outclassed by Usman. At least Colby went. They don't toe care to about that. It's, it's, it's about the t- it's about the fans buying the fights. Like I think there's going to be there there are Masvidal fans out there right now who think that he that he will knock out Usman, which is preposterous because yeah. Masvidal's had like one early stoppage win and it was the Askren fight and it was just like the worst thing you could do, which is Askren going for the takedown. The best thing Masvidal could do is throwing a flying knee. Like this isn't like him fighting like Anthony Rumble Johnson or Yoel Romero, someone who has like legit first round knockout power. Like Masvidal is not that guy. He's more of a volume guy. Um, you know, he'll, he'll, he has, you know, he's knocked out Darren Till and some other guys, but he's just not known as like that one punch, like, you know, catch you like a Dan Henderson, you know, he's not like that at all. And we'll get you out of here on this, James. Sure. The lightweight division is kind of in flux right now. Is the UFC going to have an interim champion while they're waiting on Khabib or is he going to come back? What do you think? The th- what's going to happen there? 
they're hoping he's coming back. It's like, you know, it's it's like the guy who dated the really good looking girl and he's just hoping that she'll change her mind. But she's already put him in the friend zone. That's what the UFC is to Hibby. <laughs> right he's in the friend zone. Hibby's not coming back. And they're only doing this to, to they're, the reason they're not doing an interim thing is because they're they're hoping for that little glimmer of hope that he comes back. But like, why is that guy going to come back? Who's he going to fight? There's no challenges for him. He hates McGregor. Like, and that ship sailed with McGregor losing. Um, you know, he's not going to come back for Poirier. He's already beat him. He's not going to come back for Chandler. That ship has sailed. I think they're just doing it to try and, you know, get whatever they can out of this, you know, relationship at this point. But uh, eventually they're going to have to do a, a vacant title. I don't even think you'll see interim. I'm I'm not really that interested in this division if Habib is not in it. Oh, uh, come on. Seriously, Charles Oliveira, no. Chandler, Gaethje. It's, it's still good, man. I, I don't know. Glass so apple, man. So I, so, so I like I like Gaethje. I'm not a huge Habib guy. Mm-hmm. Um I love Gaethje, I love Poirier, but I just see that belt just doing like a, a hot potato once once Habib's not in there. I could see it switching just like every single event. Um, I think they have great fights. I'm just not huge on the division, um, particularly with, with McGregor's going to get more fights there. I think McGregor should move down because he's not doing well in this division at all. Oh, but I don't think he can make 45 anymore. He's, he's no. that ship's held. McGregor needs to get out of Ireland and go to some like Rocky style camp where he's like, you know, in a basement and he has like no internet and he's just like focused on fighting and not, you know, worried about, you know, how many, who's tweeting on Twitter. Like he's got to just stay focused because he's clearly lost it. I mean, like it's, and he's with the same camp. Like if you're losing this much, maybe switch up your coaching a little bit. I know he's a loyal guy, but like you got to do something different because the coaching was the reason he lost. They didn't anticipate the leg kicks and it, and it ended up uh, not working in his favor here. So, and I think even if McGregor had won that fight, I don't think he beats Habib. I think he's got to level up a little bit. So thank you so much for coming on the show, James. We appreciate it. Everyone, please follow James at Lynch on Sports on Twitter. Subscribe and follow him on YouTube. He puts out great content every day. He is the best MMA journalist in the business, no matter what Webb says. I believe in you, James. <laughs> well, thanks, guys. Uh, seriously, have me on anytime. You got my email. I uh, always love doing the show. Really appreciate it. And uh, yeah, thanks. And maybe next time we'll, you know, we'll get into more of a debate here. But it was good. You know, we 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 touched on a lot of interesting points here, and uh, you know, it's good to see you guys, uh, you know, supporting a great sport like MMA. So it's awesome. Thanks again to James Lynch for coming on the show. We really appreciate it. Again, go follow him at Lynch on Sports. While you're there, follow us at Rookie Phenoms. Subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, and anywhere else you get your podcasts. The more you do that, the more we can have amazing guests like James Lynch on the show, and we really appreciate it. I, I echo your sentiments. Uh, James Lynch came back, decided to run it back with us. Uh, we had a great show, great time. Always great chatting with him. And uh, I'm excited for, for the for the fights coming up. Great fights coming up. Me too. And we will be back later in the week to break down more of the NFL free agency and to get you ready for the NCAA tournament. Don't think we forgot about that. This is the small show we're putting out now because we could not wait to get this gold out to you. Wow. You're making this sound really juicy. You're making it sound like a, like a meal coop. I'm not going to say James Lynch is a snack. Web, I'm not going to do it no matter what you say. (laughs) Thank you, everyone, for listening. Have a great night. We out. Thanks again, James.